T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's kind of funny if you think about it. James Wiseman and Kevin Durant were kind of here for the same amount of time, really. You know, they, both guys did totally different things in completely different roles in their tenures. But they were such big labels on this franchise that, you know, you could say that's the Durant era. This was supposed to be a James Wiseman era, and that era is over. Traded. To Sadiq, uh, to, to Detroit for Sadiq Bay and Kevin Knox. Bay gets flipped to Atlanta for five second round picks. Five second round picks, and Kevin Knox get flipped to Portland for Gary Payton, number two. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Warriors got involved after all. We didn't think it was going to happen, Ray, but here we are with an awful lot to talk about that we didn't really see coming on the horizon yesterday. No, nobody saw any of it coming. Well, you did see, you thought Weissman would get moved, but it took an awful lot with multiple teams and essentially five second round picks, which are now the new currency of the realm in the NBA, to get that done. So you win, although you, like everybody else, saw it coming in no way, shape, or form the way it did. No, I, I didn't think, well, we'll... I thought like Wiseman for Sadiq Bay, and now you got to get a little bit of a salary matchup. Maybe Noel was uh, a name that was going to be thrown in. There was, I guess, a late hour push in the last hour before the deadline struck as the Warriors were talking to Toronto for OG and Anobi, which made me very excited. I mean, go Hoosiers, first of all. Second of all, I thought he would have been an even better fit for what the Warriors wanted to do than Sadiq Bay would have been. And Sadiq Bey, I actually think, would have been a decent fit for what the Warriors want to do. I thought he would have been an instant contributor, an instant rotation piece off their bench. And so I started thinking, what are the Warriors going to look like with Sadiq Bey? And I thought, that's a little bit of a season-changing move. I like it because they just got better on their bench and they need to get better there if they're going to have a better year. So, you know, that, that's, that's good. Um, when you then learn that it then started to look like it was being presented as one big grand salary dump. And John Hollinger made a very interesting case as to why moving James Wiseman for nothing would have been a financially prudent thing to do for the Warriors. But they get something, don't have to settle for the nothing, and then turn that something into someone 
who but a year ago was very much a trusted agent of this franchise. Gary Payton II coming back is no big splashy headline maker, but that is an instant fit for a guy who's proven he can fit instantly with this team. So it's, you know, are, are the Warriors a better team today? Yes. Is there egg on a lot of faces due to the entire James Wiseman rumor never becoming the truth? Yeah. But as bad as it could have been, I think they actually come out of it okay, all things considered. You end up with more egg on your face if you keep something you're convinced is not going to work. At some point, if you, pick, if you make a bad pick, you have to do something about it. And you don't hold on to it because you're worried about your reputation. I think they made it clear in the way they used him and didn't use him that they thought he was not going to work here. So in that way, you know, them moving him, you know, eh. You know, so he ends up being like you know, the eighth worst second pick in draft history. Doesn't matter once you've moved off from him. Here's the deal. He might go on to be a fine basketball player with several all-star appearances in his future. Haven't seen it yet, but it didn't work for the Warriors. And so whether or not it works anywhere else really doesn't matter because how it worked here was really the only primary concern that they had for James Wiseman's well, career. And it simply didn't work here. And someone from the 925 on the Xfinity Mobile text line says, you know, Wiseman is easily a 20 and 10 guy. And he's got twice the talent of Looney. It's a shame he didn't get the minutes that he deserved this season. I'm not even going to argue with you. Because I think you might be right on every single one of those points. But the truth is... I think every Warrior fan needs to operate from one place and one place only, Ray. What is best for Steph Curry? That is the singular answer that all questions come back to and have to be, you know, whatever the answer to that question is, is the question whether or not you go on with this decision, yes or no. Is it best for Steph Curry? The problem for James Wiseman is that you couldn't play him without Curry and you couldn't play him with him either. Well, those, those are only those are the only two options you've got. Exactly. That's why it just wasn't a fit. Yeah. No, it wasn't a fit for a lot of different reasons. And Curry, I don't think, is at the top of that list. It wasn't a fit because I think he wanted to be not a ball-dominant center, but a ball-involved center. And the Warriors have never had that. Their post guys play without the ball. They defend, they rim protect, they rebound. They are not, you know... They're not there to, to stand at the low block with your arm up screaming, give me the ball. And so in that way, Weissman didn't view himself that way. And he didn't sort of comport himself that way. He just, he, you know, he was a classic traditional big guy where the offense either revolves around you or it greatly involves you. And the Warriors don't don't have that in their playbook. So... It was it was it was just a non-starter, square peg, round hole. And is that the biggest mistake now of Bob Myers or this franchise's player addition making? Because I mean, they should have known what their DNA requires more than any other team, and they completely went against the grain of who they were, of what they need to draft a guy like James Wiseman. So it's very easy to like point at the Warriors and say, oh, yo, you made a huge mistake because you didn't draft what was best for you. A guy like LaMelo would have fit into your system so much better. And I think that that's a fair accusation to make. But what is also fair for them to turn around and say, and I think this, this is hard to argue with, 
was that James Wiseman's measurables, the promise of the unicorn you thought you saw in him, was so overwhelming that that is the kind of risk that you have to take when you're at the top of the draft and get a bite at an apple quite like that. It's easy to look back at it now and just say, oh, that thing looked awful from the minute they did it. In the minute they did it, there was universal acclaim and praise that this was going to reignite not just a different style of basketball the Warriors could play, a different point of attack they could use in basketball games strategically, but usher in a completely new era. I mean, so I, I, I get why they did it. It's a shame it didn't work out. I got why they did it because they needed a larger presence down low. They were playing small and smaller, and eventually that was going to wear out. And maybe it's wearing out now. But I think they also believed, as all organizations and all coaches and all general managers do, is that we'll take this guy because of his measurables and then we can fix him. And for the most part, you can't. You get pretty much what you're seeing. What they gambled on was that because you hadn't seen very much of him at all, there wasn't, there was, you know, he was a blank slate. And you could fill that in with your style and your system and your and your worldview of, of a low post guy, which is that he doesn't play on a low post much. He's got to be more mobile. He's got to be more you know clever defensively. He's got to take care of the small stuff. The Warriors don't play with another guy who needs to have the ball. They already have those. They have them in trumps. And their attempt to fix him failed because most of the time, you get what you see. You're not going to materially change guy. And that was the gamble they ran and they lost. Um, was it Was it a mistake? Yeah, but it was one that they needed to take because I don't know if LaMelo Ball's skill set was something they needed either. I mean, they were, they were a really good team picking way too high in a draft. And so they could afford to say, well, we need this. And they didn't get that. But I understand why they did it. Again, I don't think oh, yeah. there's a lot to be angry about. And if you agree that James Wiseman required further investment, I would agree with you as well. But where could you actually play him? Again, he was unplayable with Steph Curry. He was unplayable without Steph Curry. So where the hell does he fit into the Golden State Warriors if those are the only two options really available to him? It's hard. It, it's, it's hard to fit into this team. And the one thing that we do know is that Gary Payton II never really fit in great up in Portland. As a matter of fact, he's been injured most of the time he's been up there. He's only played 15 games, but he does fit with the Golden State Warriors. And they do like him. And he is going to pick up minutes instantly. And anyone who can play is by definition more valuable than anyone who can't. It stinks the investment was made. It stinks that the big draft pick didn't work out. But as the Warriors currently stand, I don't know how much worse they're off for having made it. And just in the terms of serving the purpose of the rest of this season, they're a better basketball team today than they were last night. 
We're going to have Steve Kerr join us tomorrow. I really thought that we were going to talk to him today, but that is going to happen tomorrow. I guess they're waiting for uh, Gary Payton II to come down here and pass his physical, so that way we can actually talk to Steve about it. And we get Wiseman back. <laughs> yeah, James Wiseman, come on back, baby. He's already uh, plugged into the Warrior or the uh, Pistons starting lineup. Apparently, he's going to start tomorrow night. So we'll we'll find out how he hits the ground running there. I'm never going to be rooting against James Wiseman, but James Wiseman represented something that I will never apologize for not liking. Big men who don't rebound. I'm allergic to that. I don't like it. Uh, when we have Anthony Slater on today, we'll get what he likes and doesn't like about the current status of the Warriors and the blockbuster trade last night. Oh, my goodness. You know, a team like Brooklyn, the way that they're built right now, could really use a player like Kevin Durant. Just want to throw that out there. We got so much for you this afternoon. It's good to have you here. Anthony Slater at 415. It's Damon and Ratto. And with Valentine's Day around the corner, I want to let you know that a great place to go get a gift is the San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center. 75 showrooms in one location already to make this Valentine's Day a good one. Get to the San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center to help out right some of your wrongs throughout the year, shall we say. Uh, 888 Brandon Street, or you can shop online at sfgcim.com. Damon and Ratto, it's good to have you here. The James Wiseman era is over. What are your thoughts? 888-957-9570. God, we got a lot to talk about today. Here on 95.7 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Every single one of our guests, and we uh, only have one today. It's the only one we really need. Anthony Slater is going to be joining Ray and I in about an hour here on 95.7 The Game. Our guests join us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. So, Ray, every now and then, you know, in the morning, I'll, I'll reach out to Lucas. I'll, I'll, I'll text Lucas. Text Lucas uh, mid-mornings. That's when we usually chat about the show. Maybe in the hour or so after the show, something for tomorrow's show will pop into my mind. 
or just a note about today's show will run through my mind, and so I'll reach out to him. But basically, I, I, I leave Lucas alone by 7 p.m. We all got to get away from each other. We're all thinking about each other from the time we get up to the time the show ends. So, you know, that's about enough, right? We all sounds need to like go. A, sounds like a horrifying existence. Separate ways. No, so, so I, you know, I... I, I I don't bother anybody at night. I don't text you at night. I don't bother Grandy at night. Nobody bothers me. We're, we're very good at not bothering each other. Last night at about 10.30 when that Kevin Durant news broke, I did text Lucas. I'm like, tomorrow's show's done. <laughs> what? What? I come on. The, I got a bucket full of Kevin Durant thoughts. I mean, I almost don't even know where to start, so I'm just going to put it off for later in the show to concentrate on then what today became... The focus of the show, not Kevin Durant, not leaving Brooklyn, not how that all came and went and blew apart. But what happened to the Golden State Warriors last night? You know, I mean, I watched that game closely. God, they let one go last night. It was terrible. It was a bad loss last night. It really was. It's funny. During the game, though, I did think, because he hasn't played much and he hasn't really played well this season, but last night Gary Payton did look pretty good. Gary Payton the second. And I just thought, you know, like a lot of Warriors fans, geez, it would be nice to get that guy back, and what do you know? He will more than likely be playing minutes at Chase Center against the Lakers on Saturday. So, um, are they a better team today? Are the Warriors better? And I'm not even saying better in terms of the context of a playoff appearance or NBA championship. Are they a better team today than they were yesterday? Well, they have a guy they they will use rather than the guy they wouldn't use. So that makes them better. Are they better in relation to the other teams in the West? Almost all of whom made at least one kind of player move. I think they probably are now a solid play-in team. I don't see how they end up in the top six. Well, unless the thing that they traded for today was vibes. Like, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous. But, you know, the kids insist. It's vibes. And the Warriors, when they're at their best, they were a vibe. They really were. I'm not saying that uh, Gary Payton II comes back in and everyone's just like, oh, championship, walk back in the room. It's not quite that level of a vibe. But he is a player that made this team feel good, play good, look more like itself, and will maybe do that just out there. Just a little reminder of paying attention to defensive details by one or two more guys. I think goes a long way in this team. Uh, and that's, I think, what they're really hoping for. Well, he's a useful piece on a team that hasn't had enough useful pieces. So that's that right there makes it worthwhile. In terms of the vibe... If it does change, it won't change till Curry comes back. And it certainly sounds like we're talking about minimum the start of March before that happens. Which leaves them, I think, with 18 games left. So, you know, they're going to have to ramp up pretty quickly after that. And whatever vibe Peyton is bringing has to be replaced by a level of efficiency that the Warriors simply haven't had. And that's a lot to ask of a guy who's going to play eighth guy minutes because he's not going to all of a sudden get inserted in the starting lineup or play 30 minutes a game that's not either his function or his skill set and it's not even what they need yeah but that what they need is one more guy who will give them what they expect to get on a regular basis and they don't have enough of those well that's the thing and i think that there is a level of trusted agent 
that comes with this acquisition that, you know, not even Sadiq Bey or OG and Anobi or Jared Vanderbilt, you know, could bring. You're, you're bringing those guys in and you're hoping that it fits together. You know, they brought in Otto Porter Jr. They thought, man, we really hope that this piece fits. And it did eventually. It didn't fit right away. It took them a while to adjust to each other. But it did when it mattered. Is Jermichael Green fitting? More than he was. A little bit more than he was. Is Ty Jerome fitting? Mm. Dante DiVincenzo, I think, has turned the corner. He's a guy who fits. And this guy just, you add him and he fits. You know that. You know, his next Steve Kerr big meeting won't be his first. It'll be his first of this year. So I think that they're really counting on that to just translate into better basketball. Because that's the crazy thing. The Warriors, I mean, last night was a prime example. They don't need to be much better than they are. They just need to be a little bit better than they are. One or two actual defensive stops per quarter that you might not have gotten. One or two turnovers that you don't cough away, particularly in a big moment that you might have had, but you, you gave the ball away. Like, hopefully he can provide just a little stability on a bench that guaranteed almost none. None. Um, I think it's a wise move. It's a lot better than five second-round picks, which, what the hell are those going to do? Well, it's funny because going back to the Rui Hachimura trade on the 23rd of January, 46 second-rounders have moved. So apparently they're now more valuable than they used to be. And they seem to be more valuable in bulk than they used to be. There were four instances in the last couple of days where a team moved five second-round picks. That's, I mean, that's probably three more than you would see in any other draft year going back time immemorial. Um, second-round picks apparently matter now in a way that they didn't used to. But for a team that has finally concluded that it's about the right now more than it is about the two-track future... You need a guy who's got some lines in his face. And that's Peyton. Because, and I will just correct you on one thing. It's not cutting down two turnovers that he's going to do. It's two turnovers he's going to help create against the other team. Because the Warriors are always going to be a high turnover team. It's when they create as many turnovers as they surrender that they become effective. And that goes back to what we've been talking about all year, which is defense. Be better playing defense. The Lakers got better at the trade deadline. The Phoenix Suns, they got better at the trade deadline. The Denver Nuggets, I think, got a little bit better at the trade deadline. The Grizzlies didn't really do anything. The Sacramento Kings didn't really do anything. The three teams that are sitting in one of the, you don't need to worry about a play-on tournament that, that the, the Warriors really are competing against for a, a spot in the postseason. The Mavericks, the Suns, and the Clippers all got better. Uh, they, they got an uphill climb in front of them. And giving away games like they gave a game away last night in Portland, just you, no more of that. I mean, it's just, just no more of that. You are out of time to decide whether or not you're going to be a good and focused basketball team. Uh, obviously, James Wiseman is all out of time with the Golden State Warriors. It was a it was a gamble, Ray. Look, they wanted a unicorn, and he looked like he might be a unicorn. He was a donkey for them. 
No, they wanted they wanted a unicorn they could mold, and I think that's too high an ask for almost any team, because he could do a lot of things, but a lot of those things were not things that the Warriors necessarily value at the top of their list. They wanted a guy who could fit into what they do, not reorder what they do. And well, then I it sounds like the draft anything, pick was. It, then it sounds like you're trying to say that the draft pick was just the wrong draft pick from the get-go. No, no. What I'm saying is, it made sense at the time. I didn't criticize the pick at the time. They had a guy that they thought, oh my God, he's got all the measurables. Now, if we can just make him our kind of measurable guy, and that's where the risk was involved because he had played so little, and we all thought that meant well, he has no bad habits to break. But he had a vision of himself that didn't coincide with the Warriors' vision. And they never could, for whatever reason, mesh those, those versions of him. And that's why it became an error. I mean, it was a high-risk move at the time, and everybody said so. Because for all the measurables, he had no discernible resume. And then and that's where that's where the risk was, and they gambled that they could make that use that to their advantage, and ultimately they could not. You know when the best time to ignore what was or was not on anyone's resume? And this isn't just in sports, like this is in life. Forget about the resume. If you're willing to work that hard, if you're that much of a hard worker, if you are tenacious, if you are a dog, maybe your lack of resume gets overlooked. Because you bring things to the table that I value more than a, a, a fluffed up resume. And unfortunately, that's where the rubber never met the road on James Wiseman either. You know, we've asked people from Memphis, what was the book on Wiseman before he ever even got to Penny Hardaway when he was a high school kid in Memphis? What'd you guys think? A lot of people just said, hey, he was born to play basketball. But I don't know if he really likes basketball. And I think that that question, three years into his career, completely and fairly persists. And there's a big part of just the star-crossed, never got healthy enough at the right time, in the right moment of time, where a few more minutes that were deemed unavailable at other moments of time might have been deemed, deemed more available at those moments in time. He was always hurt in those moments at times, too. He only played 60 games for the Warriors in three years. That's it. 60 games. Ray, of the top two picks ever in NBA history to make a debut with the team that drafted them, he played the fourth fewest games ever. Markel Fultz only played 33 games with the Sixers before they moved on. Purvis Ellison uh, was, uh, what, what, what did we go from? Never nervous Purvis? To, uh, oh, what, what did Danny Ainge call him? What did, Danny Ainge gave him like the, uh, just a perfect nickname because he was always hurt. Um, yeah, I don't Out I don't of service remember. Purvis. Out of service Purvis. Thank you very much. That was, yeah, that's the best contribution Danny Ainge ever made in the NBA. And I couldn't remember. Out of service Purvis. Uh, Purvis Ellison only played 34 games with the Kings before they moved on. Anthony Bennett, who is a massive, massive bust. 52. And here's the thing. Purvis wasn't a bust. And Markel Fultz is at least playing. Anthony Bennett is a disaster. And is, 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 is he with the Pistons? Is Anthony Bennett with the Pistons? I don't believe so. Is he with anyone right now? He's just out of the league. Fully. 
But say maybe he and James Wiseman can swap war stories about being disappointed second overall picks. But uh, yeah, Bennett is not, and he was the number one pick in the draft too. Yes, but yeah, I mean those are those are guys who you know didn't have really career altering moments when they got to their next team. Although Purvis Ellison was a good player, um, it sucks that it didn't work out for Wiseman. I, I do. I like. I. 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 I felt so bad for him. I even the last time we asked Steve Kerr about this, like, do they owe it to him to either trade him to go play and have his career somewhere else, or see more of what you got? This is from January twenty first. I think that's a fair question. You know, one of the things that I tell James from time to time is I, I feel bad for him because of the circumstances. He's he's had a a tough go with the injuries. The injuries have definitely set him back, but. Bottom line is he's a really talented young guy playing on a veteran team. So he's he's in a situation where he's not getting as many reps and as much playing time as he would in a different set of circumstances. Um, you know, had, had he been drafted by a, a different team, he'd be getting more opportunities for sure. And that's uh, part of his story. That's part of his journey. And what I love about James is he understands that and recognizes it and continues to keep a, a positive spirit and energy and, and he works hard every single day and uh, and he's wonderful to coach so as i've said many times i'm a huge fan and um, however this plays out we don't know but um, i i hope i get to continue to coach him and i hope that he can develop here and and get more opportunities as we go forward very diplomatic answer from steve kerr as you can expect Ray, maybe the reason why he wasn't playing down the stretch is because they just knew straight up it's 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 we are going to trade him come hell or high water, even if it's only a salary dump for a collection of second rounders. We're doing it. And the last thing we need is him getting hurt in a throwaway game before the deadline, which we you know, we didn't really want to play him, but we did, and what do you know he gets freaking hurt in that, and now we're stuck. Oh, I'm I'm sure if they had made up their mind yesterday that they, they would have basically said we have some. We, they would have told him probably. We got something that might be working for you, so don't plan on playing tonight. So John Hollinger uh, kind of broke this down a couple days ago. By the way, if you want to know who's really good at predicting what might happen in the NBA trade deadline, today's a good day to read articles from like four or five days ago. See who was on it. See who is on to what might happen. And I'm not saying you need to be. accurate in your predictions of what could happen in a wide open trade deadline where you didn't know who was really going to be a buyer or a seller or whatever. But were you on to the way teams go about conducting business or thinking? And let me tell you, as John Hollinger guy, he was all over this, Ray. John Hollinger said, you know, an unprecedented 10 teams are in the luxury tax this year. Boston, Brooklyn, Dallas, Denver, Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers. The Bucks, the Sixers, and the Phoenix Suns. That's not all, though. Three other teams, Atlanta, Miami, and New Orleans, aren't in the tax this year, but somehow, someway, have already put themselves over the tax line for next year. James Wiseman represents $9.6 million this season and $12.2 million next year, meaning that, you know, teams like San Antonio, Detroit, Utah, Indiana, that are so far under the tax, they could have actually traded for him without sending anything back. But such a transaction, like why, why would you want to make a deal with anyone where you're getting nothing in return was you know, kind of the premise he's working off of there. And he said, well, such a transaction, if you were just to trade him for nothing in return, 
It would save the Warriors about $51 million in salary and tax this year, an estimated $85 million in salary and tax next year for a total of $131 million in savings to dump off a guy who rarely plays. So I think that was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I mean, they would trade him for nothing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just, just to get some tax relief. And that will annoy people who believe that he didn't get enough of a look. But this is a hard business. It's a hard it's, business. And here's the thing. And the flexibility that you might have said that this, you know, that they're punting on or, or not committing to now allows them to have a little bit more flex to future plans. Like, this is not the last season of Warriors basketball. True or false? False. I think if they don't win it all this year, they're folding. That's it? They're just going to... That's Done. All right. Bring out the bulldozer. Just demolish yeah. Chase. Oh, no. They could they could turn it into like a gigantic Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I, who doesn't love a ball pit the size of an NBA arena? Absolutely. I mean, it would take about 480 million balls, but... It'd be worth it, worth a go. I mean, just what you're saving on NBA tax dollars, you could afford all those plastic balls. The whole point is, is that this isn't the last year the Warriors are going to be doing business. And James Wiseman would add a level of bottom line business to their business that might have presented the, prevented them from doing even more business down the road. The, that's not enough business for my liking that comes out of this today translates into more options in the future. And this is not the last year of Steph Curry. No, see, that's the other thing, is that if there is a criticism to be made of Joe Lacob and Bob Myers, it's that I think they hurried this two-timeline thing into existence. You didn't have to put it that way. You just say, well, this is the part of a transition that's going to come over years. We don't have to start showing you two tracks today. And I think the way that the young guys have been used largely shows that they haven't done that but they announced it as though it was going to happen and i think in that way they got over their skis and people expected well how's moses moody going to learn if he doesn't get to play well you don't get to play if you don't show that what what you've learned i mean it just it literally is keeping the horse in front of the cart you don't get given minutes on a good team you have to earn them and that was the thing that I think a lot of people kept wanting to miss because they wanted to see the future. They always think every team is aiming towards something else. When the Warriors, almost uniquely, are a team that's, that, that's where it wants to be now, and they're trying to figure out how to prolong that. Right. And your better chance of prolonging that is with the guys that got you there as recently as last year. This is Rick calling from the East Bay. What do you got, Rick? Hey guys, uh, this is my first time calling in. Um, Sorry, I've been a season ticket holder for over twenty years. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay, I, I think the trade today was really a positive move. Uh, as as we all know, you know GP two is a fan favorite, and just like when the coach takes a timeout for you know the team to regroup, when you bring this guy in, he seems to not only spark the fans, but he sparks the rest of the teammates. And we need more of that right now with our defense. And I think this guy might just be the, the piece that's missing because we're close, but not close enough. And I think this could this could turn into something good. Well, again, to, to use a parlance of our times, Rick, and thank you so much for the call. Hopefully he's a vibe. What did the Warriors add at the trade deadline? What did they do? What was their move? Improving the vibe. 
Maybe that's what Gary Payton II does for the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not saying that James Wiseman was killing the vibe. He wasn't part. Well, he, what could you can't kill what you're not a part of. Exactly. You cannot help the team if you cannot play basketball on the team. Now, Damon, whose fault is it that he couldn't play basketball? That's a totally legit question, and that's another show, and we are. You know, I'm going to try to get to the bottom of that, but I'm going to tell you right now, they put an awful lot of effort into coaching this kid up. An awful lot of effort. With special coaches that they've hired, special assistant coaches who specialized in big men. You know, they brought in the guy who really helped create Nikola Jokic. Just didn't translate. And we'll see what James Wiseman looks like in Detroit. A different situation, more opportunity to play. Is he going to blossom into something that the Warriors a week from now are going to go, my God, why didn't they figure out a way to do something with that? Use that. But he's going to be used in such a different way in Detroit yeah. than he would be used here. Again, that's that's maybe the the fatal flaw cooked into this thing from the day they went to the store to buy it. He just never really fit who they are. No, I mean, it, it, was, it was very definitely a gamble. I mean, we've we've said that enough, and I think they thought that he would pick up what they want from him. And I think one of the worst things that happened to him was that he made his debut on a bad team, where he wasn't sort of put into the system from the start. That was essentially a lost year because he was he was confused by what they were asking him because there weren't a lot of rewards in that season. So I think in a way, he said, well, we need we need points. We need scoring. And that's not what the Warriors viewed him long term. But all he knew was, but this is what's happening now. And so I think that set him back as much as anything. Much more coming up, including Anthony Slater at 415 here on 95.7 The Game. The NBA's trade deadline has come and gone. Our trade deadline coverage brought to you by Boxer & Gerson, Northern California's premier workers' comp law firm, helping injured workers get their lives back for over 40 years. Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Damon and Ratto here just, oh, not even four hours after the NBA trade deadline has passed. It's good to have you here. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises. Ray, every single player has to answer basically two questions before their career can be framed or deemed valuable or, you know, what level of value it's got to you. First question is simply this. Can you play? Can you play? The NBA says that guy don't belong here all the time. So just because you're drafted in this league doesn't mean you can play in this league. We've seen that with our own two eyes. And then if you do answer that first question with a yes, yes, I can play, then the question becomes, do you fit? Do you fit the situation you're in? Do you fit the style that the team that drafted you is playing you actually goes out and plays? And... I think we definitively know that James Wiseman did not fit the Warriors' style. That is evident. What is not evident yet is, can he actually play? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know if he can play or not. I see someone who's got, should be able to play in this league, just written all over his physical measurables. He is, he's big for an NBA player. Like, that's how big he is. And it should work. 
conceptually, it should work. But I remember us talking about a, uh, uh, a you know, the first game back in the summer league. You only grabbed like two rebounds. And I was just like, how are you only going to get two rebounds when you're a seven-footer? Draymond even called us out on the podcast. Got to look that up. Go, go. Grady, find me that. Find me, Gray, find me Draymond Green telling me that I don't know about James Wiseman. Because my, my radar started pinging on this guy just not having that dog in him, man. Not having that. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not a hater. There's someone here on the text line saying, Damon, I'm so glad the Wiseman hater got his way, his wish. I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him. I just hate all big men who don't rebound. It's a universal hatred, Ray. Wasn't specifically at James Wiseman. If you were seven feet tall and didn't get a rebound, I'd hate you too. It depends on what position I'm playing. If they put me on the wing, you still get rebounds. As some seven-footers get put out on the wing, nobody yells about Brooke Lopez not getting rebounds. It depends on how you're used. How the Warriors intended to use Wiseman, though, required rebounding. So it's not like you know, it, it's not universal, but it's expected, and it's especially expected on this team, where they don't really expect the post guy to score much or to have the ball much, but he should be able to chase down a ball. By the way, you want to know why uh, no one complains about Brooke, Brooke Lopez getting rebounds? It's because he gets rebounds. He gets six and a half a night. For a seven-footer, that's a low number. But the for way a they play on the him, perimeter, that's fine. But that's what I'm saying. For a, for a seven-footer on the perimeter, six is very good. But there are other seven-footers who play on the perimeter who don't get very many rebounds because they're not asked to. Yeah, well, they suck, too. Okay, fair enough. With all the long rebounds that are coming off the rim, just put your hands up and come down with a board. Longer rebounds are easier now than ever before. Oh, they're just more plentiful. So that means there should be more of an opportunity for a seven-footer out on the perimeter. But that means there's also- Get me a rebound if you're big in the NBA. Full stop. If don't play basketball if you're big and can't rebound. I hate you if you do. I went to Indiana. I know what the hell I'm talking about here. Don't argue with me about rebounding big men. Draymond tried. Draymond tried. Just happy to see him out there doing what he loves to do again and having the opportunity to play basketball. I know there was a lot of talk around the first game, like, oh, he had two rebounds. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's the first thing I looked at, too. Like, Wise, you can't have two rebounds. But for those of you out there who's just going to criticize and don't know, I saw the guy um, from uh, from 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 the rattle, Damon Rattle. Yeah, you know uh, the show name. in the Bay. I you know think, the name. You know like the that. station. Uh, dude, Damon. Listen, like, you come out and, and you want to talk about Chet Holmgren is light years ahead of James Wiseman right now. Whatever you said made that statement. Let me help you out. Rebounding is a timing thing. You know, rebounding is not just I'm tall, I'm long, I can jump, I'm athletic. Rebounding is timing. And for someone that has not played basketball since 2018, I know you wouldn't understand, but your timing is probably messed up. Because that's four years and some change of not consistently playing basketball. So those that has done this will understand that that is 100% a time. Like, like I said, again, I would never excuse James Wiseman having two rebounds, nor do I think James Wiseman will excuse it. But I am also, and, and as someone who's done this at this level, who continues to do this at this level, I do understand that rebounding is. Obviously, you got to have a knack for the ball. You got to do the proper things and boxing out. Uh, Coach Rizzo used to teach us hit, find, and fetch. Go hit your man, find the ball, then go get it. Yeah, all of those things. And who wants the ball more? It's all of those things. But equally as important, if not the most important, is your time. Okay. So it's amazing how he completely agreed with me. It's the first thing he noticed is the incomplete, too. But then wanted to have a little, well, you didn't play, so you don't know.
And I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you right now, timing for a seven-foot array isn't the difference between zero and two rebounds. It's a difference between eight and 15 rebounds. Physical stature is a difference maker on a basketball court in the rebounding category. And he needed to be better. He has to be better. And he wasn't. What's the name of that show? Please, you guys speak like I speak. You use the phrases that only I have put into the Bay Area lexicon. Now listen to this show right now. Here's more from Draymond. To try to make it a thing and like compare these two guys after, and, and this kid's been out for four years, ridiculous. Also, you can't judge who's better off a summer league game. So let's stop the foolishness. It's ridiculous. Welcome back, James Wiseman. Happy to have you back. Hey, I'm sure they were, but then they realized that that thing that he wasn't doing enough was probably going to be a reason to move on. And they did. And part of the reason to move on, Ray, is he's always a mash unit. It's one thing to maybe not be able to play here. It's another thing to constantly be a level of unavailable. Here's what I honestly believe about James Wiseman, because he was drafted as a project, right? They, they knew that it was going to take time. The reason why they gave up is because his body started giving up on him. I really, truly believe that if he had lived an injury-free career to this point, they would not have traded him. Well, presumably he would have had more time to absorb what they were trying to teach him. Because I don't think he was refusing to learn. I think it was they were asking him to do something that was outside his experience... And he struggled with that because when you're a rookie, especially on a bad team, which is the one he broke in with, you're trying to make an impression. And your instinct is to try to make that impression with the stuff you already know how to do. And they wanted him to do stuff that he either didn't know how to do or hadn't done enough of. So I I think he had that sort of battle inside his own head. And it only got worse after the injury because the window to to show yourself became shorter. And then the next thing that happened was they got good again in a hurry when they didn't really figure to be. Last year was supposed to be a transition year and that maybe this might be the year that they would win it. But they screwed up and won a year ahead of time and didn't have a lot of time to, you know, ease him into the lineup more often. They were trying to win games. And between the timing, between his own shortcomings between the specifics of what they required of him, it all broke down. So in the end, I mean, will he be better off in Detroit? I guess in terms of numbers and minutes, I don't know that that's going to translate into a a useful 30-minute-a-game player because there are guys who go to bad teams and do well, and then when you ask them to be part of a winner, they don't do it as well. So, I mean, the book is still wide open on Right. We don't know what he is. He continues to very much earn the nickname I gave him. He's the big rumor. We don't don't know what James Wiseman's going to be. The Warriors just traded him not even knowing what his future's really going to look like. I just, in my mind, he's closer to a career in Greece or China or Turkey or, you know, somewhere overseas than he is an NBA Second contract. I mean, I just, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. He seems like a really nice guy. Everybody that has dealt with him says that's a really nice young man. We like James Wiseman. That's great. I don't dislike James Wiseman as a person. 
As a basketball player, he might not be an NBA player, which for someone that size is, you know, a, a hard pill to swallow. But he has been reported as not that guy, not wired to be that guy since high school. And he is yet to show that that reporting on his wiring is the wrong part of that. Let's see. You're going to tell me he gets to Detroit and he's an absolute dog. He's pulling down 20 rebounds his first night there because he's unsaddled with a Warriors motion offense. That's not going to happen. I don't think so either. I mean, there's a reason why Detroit has the worst record in basketball. They're not very good at a lot of things. And you only get to be better as a player when you're surrounded by better players. And right now, because Detroit's awful and they're trying to get into the Victor Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, and because they are injury-set, ravaged, he's probably not going to learn a whole lot this year. He'll get minutes just because they want to see what his physical attributes are. They'll put more on him next year if it looks like they're going to be able to make a move toward the play-in tournament. But for right now, these are just, these are like G League games for him. They're just going to say, you're getting 28 minutes a game. See what you can do with them. I don't think they're going to put a lot on him because there's not a lot to put on a team that's got 12 wins. Again, there shouldn't have been that much to put on him, though, even with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, yeah, the team's got big aspirations, but he had two things he needed to do. Rebound, protect the rim. That's it. That's all you need to do. The rest of the stuff, just figure it all out as it's happening around you. You know, put your hand up, go into the low block, Turn around, drop step, dunk it. Just do that. And they couldn't get that out of him. Could not get that out of him. Couldn't even be the poor man's JaVel McGee. Turns out it was a rich man's JaVel McGee. Yeah, yeah. Look, so with the addition of the Gary Payton II salary... Warriors are going to save about $7 million in luxury tax this season, about $30 million in luxury tax next season. But more than just saving money, more than just saving money, they got a player who's going to play in Gary Payton II, a player who knows the system, a player who is comfortable on this team with the way that this team plays. Oh, and they could use another guard right now, too. So it's going to be good to have him back. He probably makes his debut on Saturday against the Lakers, who got better. And the Phoenix Suns certainly got better. It's time we officially talk about that here on Damon and Rattle. Let me welcome you to your 4 o'clock hour. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.